0: back to who's is it anyway folks where the points are like a group of animators during a strike uh, <laughs> to...
1: <laughs> rough stuff already
0: tough stuff <laughs> um, today Stephen and I bid farewell to uh, the Disney Golden Age and wartime era it has been a fun and fancy free few weeks um, and we are here to kind of uh, close out the latest segment slash season of uh of whose film uh, as a uh, you know as always i always ramble so as always i'm your co-host josh page and with me as always my co-host and friend steve molina
1: another one bites the dust josh i was gonna sing it in tune but then i'd be afraid the queen would sue us but uh... i uh can't believe we're done with another series on the show it's pretty crazy to me
0: yeah this is good we keep uh we're hitting good milestones i uh this
1: is the fourth topic we've done. This
0: is it. We are still here. I can't here. even
1: remember doing Wes Anderson.
0: It's really feels that Nolan feels like a lifetime ago. We're finally still recovering.
1: Nolan feels like a lifetime ago, but I'm starting to recover. It's,
0: it's finally happening. Which means um, I can
1: probably watch Tenet soon. I've been yes. holding off, but
0: we'll uh, we'll have to get there before the year's end. Um, for those of you who've been following along from the beginning, Stephen and I have been on a roller coaster. For really, for 2020, because we're kind of closing out 2020 with this by the time this list drops. But um, I'm th- in a
1: glass box of emotion.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, we began with Nolan, and it took us. Uh, Nolan was like, I don't know, it's kind of like being dropped in the middle of Vietnam a little bit. It's kind of like. We
1: started with Nolan, and we're ending the year on Disney. So, like, let that tell you where our minds need to be.
0: Right. And and mind you, we did uh, all of Friday the 13th in the middle. Um, <laughs> and Wes Anderson. And Wes Anderson. So it's kind of just this, it's been a lot of up and down uh, inter- uh, emotionally.
1: Yeah, but uh, happy to finish out this Disney animation. This has been fun. We'll get to our final thoughts later on. So why don't we get into the awards real quick. Yes, of course. The overall movies, every movie's in play for these so, well, so, we got the uh, new awards for this. Correct. Best music, Best Villain or Sidekick, Worst Wartime Short, Most Notable Racism, <laughs> and Best Ensemble. Josh, why don't you start out? Best Music.
0: Um, I will take it away. Just to reiterate for the folks at home, we, this is going over from Golden to Wartime. Uh, we've got Snow White, Pinocchio, Fantasia, Dumbo. Bambi, and then all the wartime shorts, uh, including uh, Three Caballeros, Saludos Amigos, uh, Make My Music, Fun and Fancy Free,
1: Melody Time, time and
0: and, uh, The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. So if you're just joining us, those are the films that we're going through uh, from the 30s to the 40s, kind of uh, old school. So good call. As just a, just a recap, but as Stephen said, we're going to go into the awards. So best music. Now, this is overall uh, best music. This was obviously a tough pick, but I felt like it boiled down. Because, I mean, the music, as we had said, was notable in all these films. I feel like the most uh, obvious choice for me ended up being Fantasia. Um, I just feel like that's a movie. That was the only one of these films that was really, they built a story and they built characters around the music, so. Um, all these songs are iconic in all these kind of mov- in all these movies, but the uh, music in Fantasia. I mean, I don't know if it's cheating because it's classical music. It's not really
1: well. That's why I I put it down as my runner up simply because it is to me. It's fine if you choose it, but to me, it's like Disney didn't write any of these songs. Really, they were just yeah. redone, which is why I went with Pinocchio for best overall music. Okay, I just think that. It fit in very well, even the like music you don't notice, and then overall, I found that the songs were probably the best in that one. So that's why I went with Pinocchio.
0: In terms of original music, I would—that's what I was thinking. I was debating some of
1: the best songs. You know, you have "High Diddly D," "When You Wish Upon a Star," "Give a Little Whistle." Like I don't know, all these. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's good.
0: They got—they're all very catchy and very memorable songs. Yeah. Um, but the next one we have is a uh, best villain and or sidekick. so, so take it away, Stephen.
1: This one overall is like really tough because of just how broad it is. Uh, i'll give a couple runner ups. uh we got the evil queen from Snow White as a villain, obviously, the churn bug from Fantasia as a villain. These are all runner ups for sidekick. Thumper was up there for me. Timothy Q. Mouse was up there. Jose and Ponchito are up there.
0: They're some good characters.
1: But I think for my best villain and or sidekick overall, I'm going to go with Grumpy from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. He always gets a laugh. Always gets a laugh. He's grumpy, so I get it. You know, I, I get his attitude a lot of the time. The original Larry David here. So that's my choice.
0: <laughs> no, that's good. The original Larry David. I've I've never heard it put that way and that's that's wonderful. You mentioned a lot of characters I wanted to say. I had one main runner-up as a sidekick. was Jiminy Cricket. Do I love oh, the character?
1: How did I forget that? No, it's yeah. okay.
0: Don't worry about it. Um, I actually prefer the Timothy Q. Mouse character better as a sidekick. I think he's a more likable and funny character. But Jiminy Cricket, I guess, has created his own iconic kind of presence as a sidekick, as Get a conscience. watching
1: this movie, I will say Jiminy was uh, not as wise as I remember him being. Well, he's got to, he makes his
0: own mistakes. You know, he's even him being late for the job causes Pinocchio to, you know, go off with bullies. goddamn and... <laughs>
1: day, you lazy bum.
0: Yeah, he's, uh, I think I'd said during the Pinocchio episode, but he's a little like um, Clarence from It's Wonderful Life. You know what I mean? He's this bumbling kind of like, he has to earn his wings. He's got to earn his badge of certificate, you know, whatever. Um,
1: well, he literally earns a badge in this one. Yeah. Exactly.
0: You know, so Jiminy, you know, you know. Don't quite earn the wings, but he earns the badge. Anyway, Clarence, but,
1: Clarence. Uh, <laughs> clarence, <laughs> clarence. I want to live.
0: I want to live. But of course, um, a, a, a maybe a cliche answer, but I, I, my real choice for is the best villain. I went with it was the queen slash witch from uh, Snow White. Uh, I just feel like, in terms of, you know, starting Disney with a character like this. Um, is really would set the trend for all the villains to come. Um, You know, For half the time, she's this kind of this mysterious, dark and um, enchanting kind of empowering, intimidating character who's kind of remains in the shadows and hangs out with her mirror. And then the second half is like, she goes in disguise. And as we've said for her, I believe she's one of these things that kind of inspired the most traumatizing moment when she turns into the old hag. And it's kind of just, she's a really spooky kind of, you know, classic witch with the black cloak and with the hook nose. And it's just, she's a very, overall it's a very creepy and well done uh, villain. Yeah, I'm gonna stick to my guns on it. And- uh,
1: <laughs> have a drink. Have a drink. As i think we know, uh, that's, that's a good <laughs> choice that's a good choice i've just shocked you didn't add stromboli to the list oh man he was gonna be my one of my runner-ups
0: i always <laughs> think of the, the firewood bit they all have these great bits i love when they they lash out angrily firewood you know um i do love stromboli i actually think i prefer that character i just think again going with the iconic stuff uh, the queen yeah slash
1: Witch. so then tell me what is your worst wartime short
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna level with you, Steve. This is a very hard one. A <laughs> uh, very hard one to, na- <laughs> to narrow down. I'm actually looking at this list I have, and I actually think these are all interchangeable. So they, really these can all be the pick. <laughs> but I'll just go for my um <laughs> So sorry, hold on. These could all be interchangeable, so I'm just gonna go for my uh my runner-ups. Uh Pedro the plane from Saludos. <laughs> Uh, tied with Johnny Fedora from Make Mine Music.
1: Yeah, that, that's on um, my list.
0: They're really just as we for those who uh, did not hear the episodes when we talked about these films as these inanimate objects. It's kind of like we we Stephen and I mentioned how uh, experimental the wartime uh, phase was. Uh, for both better and worse, it's kind of like a lot of Fantasia knockoffs. So there's these little short sketches. So to see Pedro as this little airplane, and Johnny Fedora as a Fedora in a window, and it's like <laughs> the stories just don't. I don't know. We 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 spoke enough about it during the episodes, but like it's rough just, stuff. It's real rough stuff for these characters. I would have said um, I didn't add the tugboat, but I would have. <laughs> Who was the tugboat from last week? Um, um,
1: Two something like that. <laughs>
0: Rough stuff for Toot, our boy Toot. So, anyway, um, little toot, a, sorry, little, little toot, right? Little toot. <laughs> getting a getting arrested, his father becoming a garbage boat, it's ridiculous. So, but of course, my worst war time I had to go was Bongo, uh, from Fun and Fancy Free. Um, the to reiterate, um, for those who didn't hear the episode, Bongo was the bear who's looking for a mate and he gets uh it turns into a whole musical bit where the bears are slapping each other um
1: yeah therefore teaching physical violence is okay it's, it's I, I i'll just jump in because bongo is mine as well it's just really long really long and that's
0: my beef with it
1: it's just so there's too. it's a lot if it, was like,
0: if it was like five minutes and it was the one musical number and you consolidate into a short, stupid bit, like, I wouldn't think much of it, but it's a really long sketch.
1: Yeah, and I've said throughout this entire uh, podcast that I hate when the narration dictates what the characters are doing. Like, when a character is told what to do by a narrator, it drives me crazy. And that's what this whole thing was. It was Diana Shore just like talking to Bongo, yet telling him what to do. And I'm just like, this is too much, please stop. (laughs) And it just kept going. Just uh, another runner up, because I have a lot of the same ones you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only one I want to add is the weird party from Fun and Fancy Free. Oh yeah. (laughs) With the the two puppets, an older man and this little girl. That's the entire party. And they're drinking some kind of punch. I don't know what's in the punch, but it can't be good. Get out of there, kid. <laughs> run away. That's the, I just wanted to add that in. Yes, it's live action, but it's still like a piece of a short, and it was just crazy. If I,
0: you freeze frame during that sketch, you can see there's a little window in the back, and out the window is a white van, and crudely written, it says free candy on the van. You know? No, it's but,
1: actually um, the uh truck that says got wood
0: (laughs) oh steven come on now that's i mean i know we were all thinking it
1: so let's go into most notable racism there are a lot of choices a lot for
0: those at home we brought up the reason we came with this category is because i mean yeah it's funny but it's also like we made a note that this is a different time so we wanted to point out that you know yeah, we, we acknowledge the knowledge. racism. We acknowledge where they were very racially friendly. So let me also preface bits.
1: by saying that we did not watch Song of the South, so don't expect that as the answer. Right. My, I'm gonna just throw out my answer. Yes, we could talk about the crows from Dumbo. Yes, we could talk about a plethora of others, but I'm just gonna go with the indigenous people in Saludos Amigos at the Lake Titicaca scene um jesus christ that's actually my answer as well those animated uh characters (laughs) were just it was so obviously racist so (laughs) i'm so sorry to
0: interrupt i'm just i'm this is all coming back we're getting the whole show coming back to me but not to step over your words it's just like just i want to mention that while you know the people who didn't hear the Dumbo episode is that I made a note that the crows are, yeah, we we, we talked about how the crows are very obviously racially insensitive, but I also thought that the crows were some of the best and more intelligent characters of the film, and that's why I didn't have them as my top, but I did mention them as a runner up. Yeah. Whereas the indigenous people in Lake Titicaca in Saludos Amigos was like, I mean, <laughs> with the big teeth and the the just the eyes and just the way they drew them, it was just like, It's one of these things like they don't draw, no, never mind. I would say they don't draw too much attention to it, but like we spend some time there. So,
1: yeah, let me just tell a story real quick. So, Josh and I are literally recording the podcast of Saludos Amigos, and I mentioned the scene's racism, and Josh looks it up just to like remind himself and bursts out laughing and sends me a goddamn picture, and then I laugh. It's just so horrible um anyway most traumatizing and sorry we don't we're not doing that anyway no it's just best it's, ensemble uh, tell me josh what is your best ensemble
0: so this was actually i think probably the hardest well the worst wartime short was hard for me to narrow down but um yeah, so best ensemble
1: harder ones go on a
0: best ensemble i think was was difficult but ultimately because like, i feel like so many of them could have been runner-ups i mean some of them just had great characters but to think ensemble is collectively, I feel like the only, for me, there was only one true answer and it was Snow White. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, so we'll just keep it as a, we'll keep this as a discussion, but basically I'll just kick off by saying it's you, by having Snow White, the prince, the queen is one thing, but because you have the seven dwarfs and they're so, each of them are so well fleshed out, um, it creates this whole group, um, there truly aren't really any characters outside of those ones that I I just mentioned, but because you have them all collectively and we spend enough time with the dwarves.
1: um... Well, that's why it's automatically the best ensemble movie to me because of the dwarves. Empirically, they are an ensemble. So you need to know uh, who each of them are and what they're about. And you get that within a second, but you also get the dynamic within the group. You know that Dopey is always going to be the canary in the coal mine for them. We get that Grumpy is going to antagonize Doc into a fit before he calms down. So the interplay just worked very well.
0: There's nothing else to be said about it. I mean, there was. I mean, they they each of the other films I think had at least four or five characters that were in a kind of in a group that they kind of balanced between. But because you had the dwarves specifically. They kind of just um
1: yeah the other runner-up i had was actually dumbo mm-hmm. uh simply because of those elephants that were together they were mm-hmm. horrible women don't get me wrong they were gossiping
0: uh we made them you know they were terrible terrible characters but, but i think that were... their
1: chemistry worked really well they, they fed off of one it. another
0: and, and all th- the uh people who worked in the circus there was that kid i don't remember his name a piece of shit um, um, sorry, don't mind, mind my language. Um,
1: and then anyway, there's Timothy Cute Mouse talking about climaxing you know, and,
0: and the, the crows, the crows, and, and the pink elephants. Oh. Um, anyway, but now, nah, well, so we'll, uh, we'll 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 dive in. So is that? I think that's it. i concludes. So
1: let's jump into ranking the movies overall, since there are eleven this time around. I will give my 11 through six. Josh will give his 11 through six. Then I will do my five through two. Josh will do his five through two and then we will share our number ones. Cool, so my number 11 is Fun and Fancy Free. Rough stuff all around. I. It starts with Bongo, which we already talked about. Then I also mentioned the weird puppet sequence with the child, the two puppets, and it just, it was very creepy. I don't care if it's 1947, you can't tell me that wasn't creepy back then, too. The only interesting part to me was the giant and Mickey, like the iconic sequences, like Mickey slicing the piece of bread into like such a thin piece that you could see through it, but it had to be number 11. Number 10, I went with Saludos Amigos. This one is just, maybe it's because of the length of the movie, it's only 42 minutes, but seven to 10 of those minutes is dedicated to Pedro the Plane, which I didn't care for. And then the other part is Lake Titicaca, where there was such blatant racism, it turned me off. So there was really only one sequence when they were in Brazil that I truly enjoyed. And like even the goofy gaucho sequence was rough. So In total, what, like 10 minutes of this movie really worked for me. Number nine, I went with Make My Music. I just feel like it's... Obviously, they were doing shorts and they were trying to, I guess, replicate Fantasia, but it just felt so subpar to me. Uh, That's why number eight is also Medley Time. I feel like Make My Music and Medley Time are really kind of interchangeable because they are a conglomerate of shorts that uh are based around music. But maybe my reverence for Fantasia also hurts this because I truly am just like I feel the compromise within both of these movies of artistic integrity, I guess. These movies were just made because it was cheap and quick rather than Fantasia where you took like the time to put in and the artistic integrity and just I don't know. We'll get to Fantasia later though. Number seven, I went with The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. I think that the tone of these two don't really necessarily go together. I didn't, I know we didn't mention that last week, but tonally I just feel like they don't re- really belong together. Mr. Toad is a Looney Tunes cartoon, and The Adventures of Ichabod is, though it has humor, it should be with something more, I don't know, substantial. Maybe like Johnny Appleseed would have been a good fit for something to attach to Ichabod because of the Americana vibe that both of them give. I like the Ichabod sequence, and I like the Mr. Toad sequence, but tonally, I just don't know if they match. But of the wartime era movies, it's high up there for me because number six is the, and my last one to get to is Three Caballeros. Again, this one was like more innovative because of the humans that were in it, and how they interacted with the animation. And it felt like a more fun version of Saludos Amigos. Saludos Amigos felt like a rough draft to Three Caballeros, and Three Caballeros just kind of exploded onto the screen. The animation was pretty good too. The way in which Ward uh, Campbell was able to change the rules of the way Disney animation worked, for forever you know prior to this it was a lot of uh gravity mattered you know we need to make things look real even though it's a cartoon where in three caballeros the rules are bending you know a spotlight will appear on the screen and so will a character out of nowhere it changed the game so those are my 11 through 6 tell me josh what are yours
0: um so i think that I mean, they're very similar. I mean,
1: it's all wartime stuff, to be honest. It, it really, like, for me, it's a secret.
0: It's very, right. So it's mostly, so uh, mine's slightly different than <clears> yours. <throat> I'll, I'll throw a little monkey wrench or two here, but um, most of the wartime stuff was very consolidated for me. So in, it's really just so, as, so for those who haven't been listening to the other episodes, it's kind of like, um, we were making these notes especially the last week we made the note that it's the wartime did a lot of experimentation between like goofy looney tunes-esque bouncy kind of animation and then this like really respectable like well hand drawn or if it's um uh, you know animation that's paying tribute to um you know uh latin america or some you know spanish uh culture and and so it's kind of like this blend. It's very experimental. So I like. I feel the like a lot of these are interchangeable, like you were saying. Um, but here's the way I have it. Yeah. <laughs> right off the floodgates, um, my number 11 was Saludos Amigos. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like it was a predecessor to Three Caballeros, but like you said, because of the runtime and because we have so... I just feel like we have very little to attach to. I mean, there's the very long opening the live action stuff them looking out the plane and you know seeing it it felt way more informative and educational it felt like something you'd see in a classroom more than anything yeah um the pedro and and uh the goofy gaucho goofy like they were like there was nothing i could really just attach to i just felt like it was just there was there wasn't a really a singular sketch or moment that i found really interesting i liked uh was it jose was the was the green bird
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, he was fine. But again, I, I felt like he worked better with um, Panchito. Donald and Panchito and Three Caballeros. But anyway, that was my, my 11. My number 10 was actually Melody Time. I felt oh, like really? it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I felt like Melody Time did what Make Mine Music. Again, it's like a predecessor to Make Mine Music. Um, where I think Caballeros and Saludos Amigos are interchangeable, like you were saying, so are Melody Time and um, Make Mine Music. So it's kind of like, it doesn't really matter where I put them, but I feel like what the what the counter film did, they did better. Um, that's
1: interesting. I feel like Make My Music, I fell out of line with more shorts than I did with Medley Time. But that's yeah, I,
0: my- I don't know if it's just because I feel like um, Make My Music had more, was more experimental. That was one with the cats. And I just, I feel like what they were doing with the, I mean, again, they're so interchangeable, but like, because Melody Time had the, what was it, the Bumble? uh, Sorry, not Flight of the Bumblebee. It was the, the Bumble Boogie. Bumble Boogie, right. Whereas I feel like if you were to take the best of Make My Music and Melody Time, you'd have a really respectable piece, respect to music in the way that Fantasia did. Like you were saying last week with the, if, what Bumble Boogie does with jazz, is like, it's like a jazz version of Fantasia. It's just a taste of it, but I digress. My my number nine was Fun and Fancy Free. This could have been higher or lower. If it was really just Bongo alone could have made it dead last. Um, but just the Mickey and the Beanstalk bit um, could have made it like a number five. Um, I just felt like it's really – I'm only holding on to it because I like seeing Mickey, Donald, and Goofy together. Um, they have great chemistry. I like the Jack and the Beanstalk story. Uh, the Giants, you know, silly, but it's just – it's a, it's part of the story i thought it worked i think they had something going with it but it wasn't strong enough and it's way down by bongo so. Well, that's
1: also why i put it so low like you said yeah. they did have something and they squandered it But yeah. go on with your list I don't my
0: that. number so my number eight is three caballeros and my number seven is make Mine music so like i was saying is like caballeros i think does the spanish culture and it's um thing better and it's 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 way more influential i think and and way more entertaining in terms of being informative about spanish culture but it's also like they have um panchito and uh jose and like they it's just it's way more fun and way more out there and it has extra runtime um the stuff with the live action uh dancers and donald following them i mean it's 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 very entertaining whereas in make my music i just feel like they did what melody time did just better again it's a short series of sketches i just feel like that one stood out to me a little more Mm -hmm. um and then twist my number six is actually uh bambi
1: wow wow (laughs) that's pretty crazy that is a twist so
0: i i i never respected bambi more than i did and we spoke i mean all these movies i respect more than i ever have but with bambi i respect it because with the learning about the history um to reiterate, every week, we, Steve and I dove into the history of Disney and what was happening in the background. And to know how intricately Walt wanted to animate these characters was it's, – it's admirable because it's arguably the most well-drawn, I guess you could say, of all the movies we've watched. And for that reason alone, it it deserves the highest regards you can give it. I just – I find nothing – Of substance, I mean, it's a beautiful palette to look at with to see these colors and see Bambi go through life, but like there's nothing for me to kind of grasp. Um, we said it's a we said during that episode, the Bambi episode, it's kind of a predecessor to Lion King in a lot of ways. It's about this forceful uh growing up, um, in terms of story and character development. I guess it's better than some of these others, especially the big one that I uh, left off that you'd think I would have put, but um. I I couldn't find any attachment to it. I think that the whole I had said during that episode I feel like a lot of it was built around Bambi's mom's death because they were that's part of this forcing of growing up. And there's a lot of like um good themes and morals in terms of the hardships of of getting older and being be, being forced into being a deer, you know. I remember when I was knew I had to be forced to be a deer and it's kind of just these antlers grew. I don't know. I, it, otherwise, it does nothing for me. I don't like any of the characters, but that's just me.
1: <laughs> gotcha. Uh, well, I'm going to throw another twist at you. Right. I, I've decided. I'm going to switch my six and seven. I'm going to make Three Caballeros number seven and The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad number six. I just feel like I'm looking at my list as you're talking, and I feel like if I had to choose between watching The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad or Three Caballeros, I'd rather watch Mr. Toad.
0: All right, so just to reiterate, Steven's ranking is whatever he said, except uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad are is number uh, six?
1: Yeah, I flipped it. Right. I, I've Fine. decided. It is decided.
0: It is decided. It's final. Don't confuse so, the folks at home. You're good.
1: Number five, I went with Dumbo. Dumbo, to me, is it's very short. It gets to the point, but because of how short it is, I don't think that the emotional moments that they were going for really land as much. Uh, I also feel like circus animal cruelty is uh, pretty prevalent. That's that's always not good. Plus, again, you got the racist crows. So all strikes against it. Is Dumbo an endearing character? Absolutely. Is Timothy Q. Mouse uh, an interesting character? Yeah. But again what i find more interesting is probably like the history around it more than the actual movie and learning about the strike uh and how it affected or didn't affect this movie so number four i went with bambi uh josh is a little crazy i don't know (laughs) i think that bambi because like he said it is a predecessor to the lion king it's the Lion King's stripped down to the bare essentials, and I think it works. It's a beautifully made and beautifully created, curated movie. Uh, and I do enjoy the characters. I like Thumper. Bambi is, not that there's much character there, but his you could tell he's a curious young tyke.
0: <laughs> uh, B- no, Bambi's got good character development, because you see how he goes from... Child not be, dude, literally
1: dude. not being able to walk to shouting bird at a bird
0: yeah.
1: bird plus the emotional resonance of that movie is pretty big too bambi's mother's death is one of those iconic movie moments not just in disney history in cinematic history that is a big moment everyone knows about that even people who have not seen the movie A lot of people won't watch the movie because of it. My number three is Pinocchio. I think that Pinocchio is a leap ahead of Snow White in animation style and production. At the end of the day, Pinocchio is a very uneven movie. It goes, every 15 minutes in that movie is something like completely different. But it's still great at the same time. It's weird. It's one of the few movies that that actually can work for. I don't know. My number two is Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Maybe, again, I'm putting my bias behind it because I know the background of this movie, but it being the first animated movie ever makes it all that more astounding just because of how much it still holds up, how beautiful it is, how just well crafted it was it wasn't just a like Walton knew what was on the line and he made a quote unquote perfect movie there's not a frame in this movie that you could take out so that's my number two go for it Josh respectable respectable list so far Stephen respectable but uh, I feel like you're going to disagree with some of them
0: very curious to hear what your number one is I think Um, we all know my number five is dumbo uh like your number same. five <laughs> so same that's in, that's insane i mean yeah i mean for the reasons that you were knocking it are the reasons that i and you know enjoy it the animal cruelty and the racist crows are a product of its time <laughs> no i mean but in all seriousness the uh the good characters work i don't i'm again i'm not like bambi i'm not really attached to any of the characters i think the i think the, the, the crows are the are probably some of my favorite characters i remember feeling that way as a kid um as an adult it's kind of like you know um once you can accept how how different of a time period these crows were depicted but um and obviously timothy q mouse is, is great when you know he's like an upgraded jiminy cricket as i was saying you know, it's an endearing story. I really, I think mostly for the Pink Elephant sequence alone, like it's just, it's very experimental. It's kind of like a predecessor to, uh, or it's like a, um, it's like a post. It's like a taste of what Fantasia was, you know what Successor. I mean? Successor. It came after Fantasia. So yeah, so it's the... Successor. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. I feel similarly to, to Bambi. I just think it's more entertaining and has more going for it in terms of the story. My number four... Big shocker is gonna be uh, the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. And maybe I'm just leaning way too heavily on the Sleepy Hollow bit, but I just thought when I think you made a great point that it's like it's very it's totally imbalanced, but even the even the Mr. Toad stuff is like I had said like we I had said last week that I enjoyed how zany it gets and how goofy it is. There's a whole long chase sequence, it's very reminiscent of Looney Tunes. It felt like something out of a kind of a storybook. Um I think it goes not well with the Sleepy Hollow story, but everything with Ichabod that kind of trumps it. But not even in in a, a huge margin. It's just it's not like Fun and Fancy Free, where like I hated the Mongo stuff so much and really liked <laughs> the the Beanstalk story. but um, well, that's enjoyed- also
1: why I flipped it because right. I feel like I enjoy both of them very much. Correct. So.
0: Yeah. Um. But the but the Ichabod stuff. I mean, I feel like we had mentioned during that episode that um, they had talked, they had toyed with the idea of making that a full length feature. And I don't know if it quite would have worked, but I kind of like what we have here because it shows so much potential for what could be if um, Disney were to go that route of like a Halloween, a Halloween style dark tale. And it's also like, that's really one of the only times it really dabbles with uh, Halloween, at least up until like Nightmare Before Christmas really. Um, I and it's just just like cool.
1: both of those shorts could have been full-length movies, especially uh, maybe Mr. Toad would have made a better full-length feature because mm-hmm. there was so much to mine there.
0: There's a lot of potential, I think, with all those characters and that world building. Um, I just think they both did a great job. Both those shorts did a great enough job to tease what could have been full-length features from both. Oh, um good. Point. and so that's why i wanted it as high as i did for my wartime i it was far and away my favorite of the wartime movies um all right so here's where things will get unexpected my number three is snow white and the seven dwarfs mm-hmm. uh i respect it for its animation and like you had said because it's the first ever animated film it's like you kind of got to give it kudos i'm just not personally invested in a lot of what's going on or the characters i think i i don't i um I don't want to say the Snow White character is obnoxious. That's not how I feel, but it's like, <laughs> I'm just not invested in, I, I don't know. Like
1: It's about the dwarves and the queen, really. It
0: really, I mean, yeah, and the queen, I, you know, is, is great. And it really is just the dwarves are just, they hold the whole thing together.
1: And They're what only, happened to the magic mirror? Can what, someone please tell me what happened to the magic what is mirror?
0: What's he doing? Is he just chilling by himself? I mean, uh, it's a classic fairy tale. It's the first of its kind. And so you got to give it the kudos and respected especially because like you said it holds up you know as i've said i think every week for this whole segment is that do i do i really love a lot of these movies um not necessarily but do i respect them absolutely and that's how i feel about snow white which is why uh to counter that um and to counter some of the things you were saying my number two is going to be pinocchio mm-hmm. uh obviously it's going to be a big twist of what our number ones will be but the uh, I think Pinocchio balances. Yeah, there's a lot happening, like you were saying, but I think that it's just a better story. I think the whole concept of him, you know, being a toy, and he has to, you know, uh, Geppetto wants him to be a real boy. There's a lot of endearing uh, stuff, uh, father and son stuff, going on.
1: Just to interrupt and, real quick, sorry, yeah, yeah. but no, of course, off of your point, yes, Pinocchio is endearing, but I think Snow White's story is more concise. But you go on with uh, Well, list.
0: I mean I see what you mean. I mean, it's pretty because it's pretty cut and dry. It's like, you know, the queen, you know, the queen wants to be the fairest, so she tries to eliminate Snow White. She tries to get the huntsman to kill her. Oh, she runs spoiler away. Alert. Eh, spoiler alert for all of these films moving forward. I know we're, we're 40 minutes in, but um, you know, and then she runs away and finds the dwarves home and then, you know, whatever. They build this relationship and then they thwart the queen when she comes after And it, it's, it's, very, it's not that it's simple. It's just it's very straightforward. Where Pinocchio, it's like there's a lot that's going on. You know, he meets uh, Honest John and these dishonest folks who take him to Pleasure Town and, you know, Stromboli. And,
1: <laughs> and they turn into the fucking donkeys.
0: There's it's a lot going on. then monstro. But I think at the crux of the movie is the relationship between Pinocchio and Geppetto. And I feel like that's a lot stronger of an emotional core than almost any other movie we watched this whole uh, show. Yeah. So, um I just thought it was in terms of the of the of that relationship, I just thought it was strong and I it worked. But um uh-huh. I digress. So uh
1: let's just go over our 11 through 2s one more time before we give our number 1. So my 11 is fun and fancy free, my number 10 is saludos amigos, my number 9 is make my music. My number eight is Melody Time. My number seven is Three Caballeros. My number six is The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. My number five is Dumbo. My number four is Bambi. My number three is Pinocchio. My number two is Snow White and the Seven Doors. Tell us, Josh, what is your 11 through 2?
0: My 11 through 2 is Saludos Amigos. My 10 is Melody Time. Nine is Fun and Fancy Free. Eight is Three Caballeros. Seven is Make My Music. Six is uh, Bambi five is Dumbo, four is The Adventures of Ichabod, and Mr. Toad, my three is Snow White, my number two is Pinocchio, so maybe uh,
1: so I guess you and I have a, the same number one keep here. Keep
0: this as an open discussion. I think this is the first time that we have an overall number one for the whole show.
1: Um, yeah, I think so, too. So, um, our number one is obviously Fantasia.
0: This is it, folks. we are gonna hear us gush over this, uh, this film, this which movie, is uh, quite a film.
1: This is a, this is a beautiful movie. This is one of the most beautiful movies that I think I've ever seen. On Letterbox, I, it makes you pick like five movies as Four. like your quote unquote favorite, and I added Fantasia to that list. I just think that everything they do in this movie, every shot in this movie, is so meticulously crafted, and you could literally stop at any moment and hang that frame on your wall
0: especially the one with the uh was it the the fawns with the one with the that's br- you know brushing the hair or the one that they edited out in the uh...
1: oh yeah the racist ones <laughs> so obviously there is a bit of racism in this movie let's not uh, forget that
0: but i think the i think the only real counter argument to fantasia and it's kind of like it's not really up for debate, but the only counter argument to it is that the, and like we said with the song or the music is that it's not Disney's original music, but aside from that, what it does as an experimental film. And we talked about, I mean, we talked, that was like, I think on one of our longest episodes of the show um, was the Fantasia episode. So you can obviously listen if you want to hear the full breakdown of it. But I think what it does as an experimental movie is it, it breaks the mold of not just what Disney did so well, but what, Animation and music have done so well, and it's one of those things that's never really been recreated since. And I think what works about it is that it's a kind of a a product of and a very inspired and passionate idea. And like we've we said during that episode, is like it's one of these things that kind of broke Walt because it didn't get the reception that he thought it would. Um, later, it became critically. I mean, it was critically acclaimed, and then later on, it got the following it deserved. But like, it took a long time, and so because audiences didn't respond to it the way that he thought it's it's one of those kind of inspired works that you'd see with like i don't know something like blade runner or something like i don't know i'm trying to think of movies that developed the followings like later on you know what i mean it's yeah cult um, movies
1: so it's if i could just branch off of that for a second no yeah of course yes it broke walt but Look at the amount of work that went into not just making the movie, but making sure that the audience got to see it in a perfect way. They intentionally recorded this with stereophonic surround sound, essentially. They put that in the theater so when people watch this movie, they would have the perfect viewing experience. I can't think of another movie company that would do that. Go Literally go into theaters and change things to make it optimal. It, it's truly astounding.
0: I mean, I know we said during the episode that it's one of those things, it's one of those movies that's kind of like, it's designed to be experienced. And that's just going off of what you're saying right now. It's like, this is one of those movies that I had said during when we recorded that episode, as I said, I would love to see a live orchestra pit, like when they screen the movie and then they do a live orchestra playing the music, because this is a movie that's designed to be seen and heard at the same time. It's not just something you could, to be thrown on in the background or something. You know what I mean? It's just kind of
1: It demands unique. your attention. It
0: demands the experience, both visually and audibly. It's just kind of, it's, well, that's Like you said, yeah. the
1: music plays such an inextricable part of this movie. Right. It, and if I could go back to something you said, you said one of the faults of this movie is that it's not Disney original, music if you were to pick out a fault yeah but i feel like that makes it all the more interesting because the artists and walt and the conductors sat in a room literally baking and drinking and smoking and just listening to music over and over again pitching ideas of what would go perfectly for this it's almost an inverse of creating something original but it's just as creative sure
0: yeah, no, the only reason I say it could be a fault is because it's like if you're comparing to other Disney works, it's like Disney films are based around telling these stories with, like, I guess I guess because they come up with the music themselves. It's part of their, their thing. They animate characters, they animate a story, and they create a soundtrack,
1: and they create songs. But I but think... The what characters you, what, they develop still are iconic. Uh, right. You know, so, Sorcerer Mickey, like you said during the podcast, is almost associated with mickey himself in a lot of ways the chernbach is iconic too yeah they i
0: i I like the idea of people hearing the music and coming up with the characters and the imagery and it's like it's really a a reversal where instead of animating the characters and thinking what songs would they sing where they hear the music and they're like well what would the characters be doing while the song is playing like i there is some there is so i i mean there's enough that can't be said about it you know what i mean yeah
1: the only detriment to this movie is that children will probably watch it and not uh, comprehend it. It's one of those movies where if you put it on early enough, a kid will rebel against it and never watch it ever again because they're going to go, oh, I remember that movie. It was so boring. But it's not, it's not boring. I just feel like this is not necessarily a kid's movie.
0: Yeah, it's a, it, yeah, exactly. It's something that, and we said it during when we recorded the episode, but it's like, it's something that you learn to appreciate later on. Out of all these, it's the one, like, what I appreciate about this whole show that we've done is that it's, and I'll get, say the final thoughts. We can just like, segue
1: really, into final thoughts now.
0: That's fine. Um, but, <laughs> but just to re, so to reiterate from Fantasia and go into the final thoughts is that um, I respect these movies more than I ever have uh like I had said I don't know what episode it was I don't know I think it might have been the first wartime we did wartime episode but I can't imagine I ever would have sat down by myself and put any of these movies on including Fantasia it's just one of those things that's like hey I respect it but like I in my mind Uh, to bring it full circle I said in the first episode of this whole of the Disney show is that um, I've like I'm I'm very cynical towards just animated movies a lot of them in general it's just like very hard for me to get into them but like I respect because of the history that we've gone over and because I've just I have a love I have a genuine love for like hand-drawn animation and I'm very nostalgic I respect these movies more than I ever have so with Fantasia it was like kind of like not that they, it was blown out of the water compared to anything else, but like I had a respect for this more than anything else. But the whole – to see this whole <laughs> – this haven't even begun to be – but the whole – to see the, uh, all the films chronologically the way we have and to get little history lessons – uh, from you in the beginning of every episode is kind of like helped build this giant story. I kept making a joke. It was like The Office or no, 30 Rock. It's kind of like you you can imagine what the behind the scenes would look like as like a comedy, but at the same time with building the studios, getting the nine old men to strike, the wars happening, and then um, Walt, you know, getting involved with other countries and then trying to create animated bits that reflect the country's uh, history and stuff. Like there's just so much going on in the background
1: And it kind of is reflected mm -hmm. in the work itself. Correct. Like you were kind of alluding to, you start with Snow White, which is this monumental feat, and you just keep building and building until the company hits a hard point. And you could tell it's like a roller coaster. At that moment, like after, I guess you can argue Fantasia, but really after Bambi, there's just this giant like drop into the wartime era. And Josh and I put a majority of our bottom movies in that uh, segment for a reason. It's because the artistic, I I don't want to keep using this term because the people who worked on it worked very hard, but the artistic integrity just kind of plummets. It's not about achieving uh, perfection. It's about churning out a product so that you can survive the next day. Which I understand from a business perspective. It's just I kind of I kind of wish you stayed on the Fantasia level. It you know you can argue that's hard to do, but then you look at a studio kind of like Pixar, where for the first I want to say ten fifteen movies of theirs, they're just knocking it out of the park every single time.
0: Everything until Cars, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: You're right. <laughs> But no, even, no disrespect. Uh, even the first car is just better than the I was line. about to say,
1: you can roll cars into that because after that, you hit another stride because you got uh, Ratatouille, Wally, up Toy Story 3 as the following movies. So you, it is achievable. It's just hard when money and politics get involved. And I'm not saying that the Strikers were wrong. I'm not saying Walt was wrong. I'm just saying that it got in the way of what the ultimate goal was supposed to be. I I just feel like the wartime era was rough to get through and I felt bad making you go through it. No, no,
0: no, no. It's, you know, I made you go through Friday the 13th. You know, it's like we have our, uh, you know, our agreements. <laughs>
1: I'll be kind of honest. honest. Some of the Friday the 13th movies were, um, even some of the bad ones were easy to get through. Where oh, some and we, of the and we had a lot of movies, laughs. Yeah. 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 Yeah, But some of these wartime movies, it was just like rough to get but, through. And it wasn't even yeah. like, I mean, because of the short quality, they kept moving, but some of these shorts like Bongo was like, Oh my God, just end already, please. Look, look between Joey the messy eater
0: <laughs> and Friday the 13th part five, And Bongo in the wartime shorts, I think part of what you and I are doing is we're, this whole show really, is accepting the bad with the good. You know, if you and I sat here and we're like, well, let's only pick up these movies because we know they're better, what's the point of what we're doing? This whole show is about going through a whole, it's a filmography, it's a whole
1: absolutely it's a
0: whole it's a whole it's, you're going through the downs as much as the ups it's all it's all part of the of the journey and so just to kind of bring it full circles it's kind of like going off what you're saying and not to reiterate not to go around in circles but it's like starting with snow white to see the history where fantasia peaks creatively it's like they build snow white pinocchio fantasia they're building 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 and then to see everything change and then to and then to see how they go back to Dumbo and how it was this thing where like we talked about how cheaply it was made and how quickly it was made, and yet because of its whatever it is, its endearing story or whatever you want to say about Dumbo is that it it became more financially prudent yeah. um, than anything they had done. Oh, born, so
1: yeah, it was more successful than uh, Pinocchio and Fantasia. Uh, right. Crazy. So, so it was
0: interesting to see this roller coaster of like, you know, Walt put his blood, sweat, and tears into Fantasia, and it does well critically, but it doesn't get the reception he wanted. Meanwhile, Dumbo felt like this kind of rushed project that actually ended up being enormously successful.
1: But something th- I wanted to add is just I, because of what we're talking about, it's almost hard to imagine watching some of these movies without the historical context behind it. Because without historical context of, like, Walt going to South America and becoming an ambassador, you would watch Saludos Amigos and Three Caballeros and go, what the fuck is going on right now? Like, why Why are they making this documentary-style movie for Saludos Amigos? Mm-hmm. If you didn't know that uh, World War II was going on and a lot of his artists were shipped out, you would go, why is Fun and Fancy Free like this? Why... You know, Right. So, so, but then again, these are not the kinds of mo- like, uh, let me ask you, would you show these movies to anyone? No, I mean, the no, the, 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 the not the war times,
0: maybe, uh, like if I like, I imagine if I had a kid that was like really into Halloween and I wanted to show them like the uh, whatever the sleepy hollow bit, but even that is like a, it would have to be a stretch and like there's so many other choices you can show them. My whole thing is like what I was trying to go off of and what you just said perfectly is like to capture the historical significance is like just as important as the movies themselves. So what I imagine in like a perfect world is if there's like a documentary that goes through chronologically the golden age and the wartime era, or even through the silver age. I mean, it would have to be a pretty long documentary or a documentary series to go through all of Disney. But I imagine you would need a companion piece. Like um, as you know, Uh, or i should say as steven knows for the folks at home i'm a big uh physical media collector i have like a big blu-ray collection so i imagine if there's like a blu-ray set or whatever of the disney movies is that they come with little predecessors uh little videos before each movie maybe it's like an introduction to the movie and like what spawned it you know what i mean again Mm -hmm. maybe it would work better as like a giant documentary But that's how I would imagine it, is little introduction segments, like kind of we've been doing for this show? Because it's like the history does impact, especially like you said, when you get to the wartime and Three Caballeros, it's like, why are we doing this? But then you learn about everything going on in the background and inspired it. And that's what makes them significant. Not that the movies themselves are quite good, but that they're educational and informative because of the war that was going on and them trying to make ties with the other countries.
1: But Uh, something else we've been saying throughout the podcast, especially the last couple, is even though these movies are not necessarily great, nor are they something a lot of people see, they still have reached the Disney cultural zeitgeist. They're sprinkled throughout the theme parks. They're sprinkled throughout the culture.
0: Throughout. And it's just, it's it's so true, you know?
1: But I think that's a good place to end this conversation. What about you?
0: I completely agree. I think we've said everything we need to say. Um. Oh,
1: cool. So as always, Josh and I do not give a pick of the week, but we will pick one uh, at one of these animated movies to recommend. Correct. And typically, we do not do our number one, so I will continue that tradition. Yep. And I will recommend. Let's go with Bambi. I think, contrary to what Josh thinks, the characters are fun and a few endearing. Dollops. Little dollops of <laughs> I think that it's uh the characters are endearing i think that they're fun and the artistic quality of this movie is unparalleled the amount of work that went in to trying to make these animals look as real as they do is astounding and that's my pick josh what is your pick
0: that's wonderful well just to go off of what i was saying earlier and uh i guess to gush over a little more mostly because i feel like it's underrated i guess i'll go with the the adventures of ichabod mr toad
1: there
0: you go Um, i thought it was the best wartime uh short as i said and i i think it's one of those things that like i just don't see a lot of people talking about it people know sleepy hollow but like you had said i think last last episode um that we know when we were talking about like fairy tales and like the visual iterations of like certain characters, you think of the Disney version and like Sleepy Hollow, you were saying, you, you think of, you can see this animation coming to mind rather than Christopher Walken and uh, the Tim Burton version, although <laughs> it's severely like. legs. Um It's the closest thing that we have to a working wartime short, in my opinion, that really feels like it's actually uh, just doing its job well. And it's, it's a it's a predecessor to the Silver Age because it's it's the cinderella comes out
1: the next year
0: right so it's these two shorts that feel like they both could have been full length and it's like really they can feel like they're building back towards full-length animated narratives
1: yeah Um, if i could just add on to final thoughts i know i technically ended it i just wanted to add that like if we ever do the silver age it's going to be very interesting simply because we're going to watch next time you or i will uh watch cinderella I feel like we're going to have a brand new appreciation for what we're watching simply um, because of the wartime era and what was and was not achieved.
0: This is, contrary to what you would believe, this is actually the first time I'm kind of disappointed we're not continuing. <laughs> it's important that we're not, it's important that we take the break so that we do the roller coaster, but like, I just feel like with the history, it's like, fuck it. We might as well just keep going. We might as well just roll into the next one. Okay, but
1: we'll do it live. Yeah. We
0: don't, I don't think we have enough people out there who we can keep listening to the us talk The problem is
1: not necessarily the people. It's just that there are like 68 Disney animated movies now and that's just... I don't want this
0: this isn't a Disney show. And so, like, if it's like, you know what you mean, Nolan, Wes Anderson, Friday 13th, and then just a whole slab of Disney, it's just gonna be very jarring. And well, I want I'll I'll to...
1: make a promise to the <laughs> listeners here and now that eventually we will get to the Silver Age. Eventually. <laughs>
0: That's 40 years later.
1: Eventually. Remember that coronavirus?
0: <laughs> oh god. Okay. Oh, this is terrible. This is the darkest timeline. Let's just yeah, I'll so, let you t- sign off.
1: And No, before we sign off, no, why don't yeah, of we tell you. the people what our next topic will be?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, we should. Do you, um, you want to you take it away?
1: Sure. Our next topic will be Bong Joon-ho. Yes. The famed South Korean director. Yes. I'm very excited. Let's add like a new segment to this episode, Josh, because I'm very curious. What do you... Cause I I know for myself, I haven't watched any of the Bong Joon-ho movies for preparation for the podcast yet. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you. Yeah. But what are you hoping to get out of this rewatch? What are you expecting from this rewatch?
0: From Bong? Yeah. I'm hoping to get a appreciation for South Korean culture, I guess in film, Mm -hmm. because over the years I've really gotten really, I've gotten way more into foreign films. Um, I guess growing up with with so many American films, once you see something different, it's kind of. Um, I feel like as a, a movie person, as a film goer, it's easy to, want to latch onto something different, and so I'm really hoping I can get, a knack on, the, um, just the just a totally different culture, just a totally different environment, and it's cool because at, we you and I have talked about off air about how Bong Joon Ho has kind of like Americanized his his own films. And so to see the progression of him going from his own country and his own culture and to kind of bring it into these kind of um, more modern day genres of horror and fantasy and whatever he dabbles with. From what I've seen, he's very unique and, and blending kind of uh, genres. So yeah. what about yourself?
1: I'm very interested on getting his personal philosophy. I've really only seen Snowpiercer, Okja and Parasite thus far, but every single one of them touches on very specific themes and I'm very interested to delve into that because I feel like that subtly shares how a director feels about life, you know, like Hitchcock put a lot of who Hitchcock is has put into his movies a lot of who Walt Disney was were put into these movies and it's always cool to kind of psychoanalyze a director through their movies. Yeah. But yeah. that's just me.
0: Yeah. And it's been, um, we haven't done a director in two shows. So this will be, it'll be cool to dive back in.
1: Yeah. So I think that will conclude this episode of Whose Filmography Is It Anyway? As always, you can follow me on Instagram and Letterbox at Mr. MrFilmArt. You can follow Josh and I, this podcast, on Instagram, at whose Filmography. Hey. Josh, did you want to give your letterbox information?
0: Uh, You can find me on Letterboxd at B-E-S-H. That's it. Otherwise, follow us on the uh, Instagram podcast. Uh, Sorry, follow us on the Instagram page of the podcast. I can speak today.
1: All right. (laughs) So we will see you next week when we go to South Korea.
0: Oh, sayonara, folks.